Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we are two very different Jews talking about the same Torah together. Hello, Dov Linzer. <laughs> Hello, Abby Pogrebin. And we are talking today about, we're, we're still in Exodus, we're finishing, we're getting to the home stretch. Vayakel Pikude. Oh my God, that was excellent. Thank you. Why don't you translate it? It's sort of like the enumeration. He gathered and the enumeration. So what's being enumerated? All of the uh, materials and components of the tabernacle that now they were ready to build. And the tabernacle is essentially the the portable sanctuary that they're carrying. Correct. After the giving of the Torah and of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, and then all of the laws that followed, the next major thing that the Jews were commanded to do was to build a sanctuary. But I think what what you and I have talked about that we found interesting is how many times it's repeated in these multiple verses that those who are coming to help build it Mm -hmm. should essentially be moved to... To contribute. So let's look at uh, uh, Exodus 35, 21. I'm reading here. And everyone who excelled in ability and everyone whose spirit moved him came. Mm-hmm. Then later, just a little bit following further, men and women, all whose hearts moved them, all who would make an elevation offering of gold, etc. So again, we have that language. Then 35, 29, thus the Israelites, all the men and women whose hearts moved them, to bring anything for the work. Mm-hmm. And then the last instance, thus the Israelites, all the men and women whose hearts moved them to bring anything for the work. I mean, this is getting mm-hmm. repeated and we know that nothing gets repeated by accident. Right. What is that? Mm-hmm. What is moving them? I think the point you're making is why was this not commanded? Why was this left to be as, you know, whoever volunteers, whoever's heart moves them? So in the desert, when they're building the temple, they're not required to be participants. Right. There's Everybody is required to give a base amount and of, of money, but beyond that, it's totally up to you what not you want to contribute. Not elbow grease. You're not, right. like, you don't have to roll up your sleeves. Right. And, and some people ga- did give more in terms of money and gold and silver, but other people really gave exactly of their talents and of their skills. What do you think in general about that, about the sense of how do we relate to things when we're given an opportunity to volunteer as opposed to things that we have to do? I mean, I I think that that's ultimately what I'm watching every day for people of every religion is that Mm -hmm. you feel moved, that the spirit moves you when you Mm -hmm. see that something needs to be done to to participate in in doing it. And that might be after Hurricane Sandy, you're making, you know, filling bags Mm -hmm. with blankets and cans of soup. Or it, it might be that you write a check because you watch something across the world that upsets you and you right. want to help. Um, I mean, there's all ways that it takes shape, but it something it, it does resonate to me that something has moved people to do it. You have to be moved mm-hmm. to to participate. Right. I think that's the that's the challenge of leaving something for volunteer and for not being required is that people might not be moved. In a previous podcast, we discussed how we maybe did not feel moved enough to do something in terms of the immigrants. And so um, I think that the surprise here is that it says every, every man and woman, everyone, that this was, this was, you know, such a big project or people were on such a high level that everybody was moved to participate. And that's uh, Exodus 36, 5, and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than is needed for the tasks entailed in the work and the Lord has commanded to be done. Moses, therefore, had this proclamation made throughout the camp, let no man or woman make further effort toward gifts for the sanctuary. 
So the people stopped bringing. I don't know any Jewish organization who would want the people to stop bringing. (laughs) And I wonder if, you know, if you're doing something and you so love it and you feel so great about it, and this is like why you're volunteering, if you'll always be able to stop when when you need to stop. Well, and also there's something here that I think is a pretty interesting lesson. And the last piece of that verse, their efforts had been more than enough for all the tasks to be done. You know, that sense of of being finished is rarely kind of the message of volunteering. It's usually Mm -hmm. that it's a bottomless task Mm. um, and that your obligation is not to complete the work, right? Mm. But you can't desist from it. So it's just interesting to me that this verse basically has completion Mm. that says kind of like Dianu. Right. Do you think that people would more volunteer if there there actually uh, was a way of completing? Like it would not just be that sense of like, you know, there's no point in doing it because it's going on and on and on. I mean, I think that's very interesting. And the answer is yes, in in many ways. Just it's certainly not you're done because you run out of time, but you're Mm -hmm. done because you actually accomplished something. Mm -hmm. How do you think that the experience of volunteering is different than the experience of being obligated. I mean, you mentioned before that you're moved, but do you feel like, uh, I mean, do you, I, I, do you feel like somehow if you're doing a task, you're, stuff, you're, you're, you know, you're stuffing envelopes and you're doing it because it's your job or you're doing it because you're volunteering? How do you think it's different? I think it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And so I obviously, you know, think about this when I was president of Central Synagogue and made the Yom Kippur appeal. Uh-huh. And that was something I felt moved to ask mm. because I knew others were were moved to care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I see how many people were moved to give. And that is a sense, I think, that reflect that this partial reflects. Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily, yeah, you maybe want to feel good about yourself, but you also believe in the institution you're supporting. Right. If you didn't believe in it, you wouldn't write the check. Right. And I think that sometimes in appeals, they really ask that everybody gives something. You know, try to have that sense that we're all part of it, even if we can't give a lot, which is a central sense that it comes in this Parsha. It could have been commanded. It could have been commanded that they have to, everybody has to give certain things until, you know, enough that's needed for the building of it. But instead it was left to be, to be volunteerism. You know, why is that? What benefit was served by that? I mean, I think that we all do it with more heart when we do it to volunteer, not because Mm -hmm. we've been, we've been required to do it, but I also, I do believe that if we had required community service, it would say something about our country if it was in every school, I'm, I'm a believer in that because mm-hmm. I think it's some way you are, are teaching that it's as core a tenant to kind of citizenship mm-hmm. as anything else that we, that we teach or, or require. People don't want to help in a way that doesn't feel specific to what they can bring. Mm. And they were much more energized when they felt like they had a talent to contribute. I think it made it, they felt more useful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I completely relate to that. It's hard to kind of just yes, you can. We can all lick envelopes, or I guess we don't have to lick them anymore. Peel mm-hmm. them, but it's different when someone says, "Because you know mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. are able to help in this way," or "Because you've done this, mm-hmm. you are able to help in this way." Mm-hmm. So, what about for you in terms of like when you're asked versus when you just do it yeah. because you're moved to? That's a really good question. I mean, you know, when I, I when asked like, "What have I done in terms of volunteering?" Immediately, I think about you know, well, have I, you know, read to the blind? Have I spent time in a homeless shelter? And like, I'm saying, no, no, what did I do for volunteering? And then I actually realized, wait a minute, I've been teaching the Dafyomi for free for the last 10 years. So, you know, that is, is that, you know, serving a function of the synagogue? I don't know, you know, so to me, that's my unique talents. I wonder, you, you're giving me a look 
And I'm wondering if you feel that doing something for the people of the synagogue is not the same volunteering. I'm not giving you a look like I don't think that's a huge contribution. It's a huge contribution. I think that in a way, though, it's not challenging you to move out of your comfort zone Mm. to help someone who's maybe not as close to your community. You think this was forcing people to move out of their comfort zone? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think when we think about volunteering, we sometimes specifically think about taking care of the less advantaged, but they're not always the same. That's fair. (laughs) But I thought you were saying something very similar, that your volunteering was as president of Central Synagogue. I started and participate in in a program, a weekly um, program that where we go into a, a high school a public high school and uh, mentor kids who are applying to college mm-hmm. because there's 400 kids and two uh, college counselors. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something I have done uh, as an extension of my work in the synagogue, but it takes us into a school and working with kids who otherwise I would otherwise not be spending time with. And it's challenging in the sense that, you know, it's, it's a different vocabulary in terms of kind of how you approach a task with deadlines and with um, parents who are usually working two jobs or don't necessarily have never necessarily gone to college, you know how you how are you not uh, a parental substitute, but also still a supporter, um, so that you can get these kids over the finish line in terms of what they need to accomplish to to get an application in, and that that to me is it is different than what I do in within Central's walls, mm. within Central Synagogue's walls, because ultimately, in a way, it's their turf, not mine. I really appreciate that as a sense of what volunteering is. I'm not sure I would limit it to that. I don't. I don't, I don't think it's that's what's going on in the better. parsha. <laughs> I'm not saying it's. I'm going to still go on giving the dafiomi. <laughs> Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Abigail Pogrubin and Rabbi Dove Linzer. The show is produced by Shira Talushkin and executive produced by Josh Cross and Tablet Magazine. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. We'd be so grateful if you'd head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps more people find us. You can also write or fetch to us at this email, progress at tabletmag.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>